Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Haley. And this is How to Not Get Killed. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. Oh, that was unexpected. I know. I don't think I expected it either. <laughs> so that's my intro for today. That's how I'm starting. And we're ready to go. That's how I'm starting today's today. Mm-hmm. And when we say today, it's like eight o'clock at night. But t- today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what we're doing. This eve. This evening. This evening. We just finished eating some delicious mac and cheese. Hopefully mm-hmm. we don't get macaroni mouth or whatever Drew calls it. Oh, is that what he calls it? I think that's what like industry standard. Remember we talked about it, macaroni yeah. mouth? He did confirm it's like industry-wide that's what it's known as oh my gosh well we just ate a bunch of macaroni and cheese yeah and i'm fucking cheesed right up yeah and then drew just messaged me being like oh and there's pizza waiting for you um (gasps) we got pizza last night don't get excited he didn't just order me a brand new fresh still it doesn't matter either way it doesn't matter he he was just letting me know he didn't somehow crush two extra large pizzas by himself that's what he was doing yeah because it could happen (laughs) imagine he texted you was like there's no just so you know there's no pizza i think i'd be like both impressed and alarmed yeah. <laughs> Part of me would be like, oh, damn. Oh, okay. Okay, you're a hungry boy. Oh, <laughs> oh someone's beefing up today. But then also Somebody's I'd be like, bulking. But then I'd also probably be like, but where's my pizza? Oh, yeah. Then it would just be like yeah. really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, because we like specifically got him a Hawaiian this time so that he wouldn't go crazy on my pizza. So uh, that's why hence the two pizzas. The Joey special. Yeah. <laughs> two pizzas. Two pizzas. <laughs> All right. I don't think we have any business to go over. Yeah, I don't think that we have business. Do we have business? I don't think so. If no. we do, not dealing with it. So, too, too freaking bad. Yeah, we're, we're not do- working today. No. I'm uh, not working ever. I got a glass of wine in my hands. No. I'm ready to relax. She does have a glass of wine in her hand. She's here. She's got a blanket. <laughs> she, she's fucking chilling. <laughs> and it's not on top of me. It's like wrapped around me like a cape. She's the coziest person right now. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's good. That's all we want. It's always, well, it's because we record in the basement. So, it's it's chilly. It's chilly. What do we, what do, why do we say that? We always say chili like that. Is that from something? I think so. I, but I don't but know. I don't know what it's <laughs> from. Know. But we always do it. We're always like, ah, oh, chili. But is like, it, there's no reason. I feel like you don't, you, you, I know what it is. What is it? We say it in the tone that Rebel Wilson says prickly. Yes, we do. In, yeah, that's um, it. Bridesmaids. And we yeah. just say chili. Chili. <laughs> that's exactly That's it. it yeah. No, that's, no, that's 100% it. <laughs> and now it makes sense. And now we can move forward with life. That's totally <laughs> yeah. it. Ah, solved it. Solved it. That was good. All right. So it's a two-parter. You probably already saw that from reading the, the title. Mm-hmm. I, You know what? I'm going to say it right now because even prior to us hitting record, I'm going to warn you guys. I don't know what it is. I can't talk normal today. It's just been like my tongue has been twisted and I try to say something. She's got macaroni mouth. I got macaroni mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like not what it is, but we're going to no, call it macaroni no. mouth. And it's I'm going to refer to everything as macaroni He's mouth from now macaroni on. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's incorrect. So, I yeah, if I'm messing up my words a lot i don't even care just fucking bear with me guys it's not my day we'll see what happens yeah so yeah it's okay we'll get through it we're, we're gonna have we to. always do we're good sometimes we don't <laughs> we do we always finish we always yeah, guys remember that half episode that we never finished yeah, that we just like never aired because no, <laughs> i don't think we actually have any of that no we've never we i don't we've think never that's ever that. happened no i know other podcasts that have been like oh we just whatever 
didn't feel an episode, we, so we just, like, stopped halfway through or whatever. I've heard of that. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine. But, like, I, I don't know what those episodes sound like because it's just the two people talking and about like, the episode. how bad was it? Maybe they just, like, weren't feeling it. Like, you know if, like, you and me were both, like, collectively in bad moods mm-hmm. and then we were like, let's go fucking record and then sat down and we were just, like, <laughs> you know, grumpy looking at each other, like... Wouldn't it, wouldn't it kind of suck? And, like, you'd kind of just be like, you know what? This isn't working. I, I guess so. It's just hard for me to imagine. I know. It is hard because we usually, <laughs> like, I feel like even when we're, like, in bad moods, we still somehow make it. This, like, puts us in a good mood. Not in, like, a, like, the stories kind of way, but I think just, like, chatting No, no, Haley's other. fucked. She, she meant <laughs> yeah. exactly what she yeah. said. <laughs> I love talking about I murder. It. it puts murder. me in a great mood. <laughs> no, if, if anything, it does the exact opposite, but the process that we go through talking about things is the fun part. It's not so much the details. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just to clarify, everybody. <laughs> All right. So anyways, Heaven's Gate, let's fucking go right into let's it. Let's dive right in. So we're talking about the two leaders here. This is primarily what part one is going to be, is a little bit of their background, how they meet, and how things get started is mm-hmm. more so what we're covering in this part. Mm-hmm. So the two leaders are Marshall Herf Applewhite. Um, later on, he is referred to by his followers as Doe. And then his partner, Bonnie Nettles, who later on gets referred to as T. Because, you know, every cult has to just rename everybody. Of course. Also, that's just like a requirement of a cult, I think. Don't worry, we also have an episode coming out soon. I just need to finish up a few details for it on... Basically, it's like what I hope it'll be is like... I don't know, what's the word? Like an intro to cults class type thing where it's just like the basics. We're knocking out the structures, that kind of thing. That's coming in a little bit. So. Yeah, like the sort of um, sort of pattern of behavior that yeah. you often see exactly. when people are creating or like building a cult. Yeah, like yeah. what it takes to create there's one. There's commonalities like, among there's a lot. all yeah. of them, right? Yeah, so that's coming. But we're going to start with this one instead first. That's what we're doing. So. Marshall Applewhite was born May 17th, 1931 in Spur, Texas. He had three siblings. His dad was a Presbyterian minister. And it's noted just about like everywhere that Marshall grew up in a very religious household. And in his youth, he felt very connected to religion, especially like the religion that was presented to him from his family and his upbringing. So he was always kind of like connected, especially in his youth. So he went on... Um, on to go to like different post-secondary schools later on studying philosophy theology and stuff like that Um, he was very active in different student organizations at the schools he attended like he was like a social person like very involved in his schooling and whatnot and different clubs and activities a pretty normal like young young adult type upbringing nothing nothing crazy there Um, it's noted that in his like adolescence more so when he started like entering post-secondary that his um like connection to religion was just more mild than it was when he was a kid so he like for a little bit there from all accounts kind of states that he just like grew apart from it but would like still had this like i want to know more about religion and like okay all of that so he still kept to his same faith that he was brought up on with his dad being a minister, but he wasn't just like the extreme of someone standing on the corner of a busy intersection, like screaming Bible passages at just about everybody that passes by. Like it was just the regular healthy amount. So he ended up getting his bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952. 
And then I wanted to ask, and then after I wrote this down, I was like, no, the math does check out. People can finish their bachelor's degree by 21. I just, for some reason, when I was like, how did he finish that by 21? <laughs> but then I was like, wait a minute. That's normal. That's yeah. actually normal. <laughs> I had like a moment. I wrote it down and I was just like, ask Haley and listeners about this. And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. I, <laughs> I'm, I know now. You can also do a three-year bachelor's too. Oh, I always forget about that. I always think mm -hmm. they're all four. Yeah. Most of them are. But like, yeah, you can but do even a three-year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you like graduated right on time and then went straight to school instead of taking like a leap year or something yeah or again it if you sense. had some sort of like a really early birthday or um you like skipped a grade i guess too that's true too that's very right. true and i see these are things i don't consider yeah me i'm just like not impossible <laughs> <laughs> um so then after that he continued his studies at the union presbyterian seminary um where he he kind of furthered his theology studies and became began i can't talk began having hopes of becoming a minister himself so he's getting like reacquainted with religion at this time and he's feeling that strong pull back to it around this time he married and shortly after had two children as usual i'm going to leave those names out on purpose so not too long after his seminary studies he decided to leave school and pursue a musical career okay Pretty quickly, he became the music director of a Presbyterian church in North Carolina. Like, it just kind of happened quite quick. Okay. He has, like, a lot of quick, like, career and school moves. So that's why I'm just going to be hammering them out kind of thing. Okay. So then in 1954, he was drafted by the Army and served in Austria and New Mexico. He was in it for about two years later. And then 1956, roughly, he was like, peace out. I'm leaving the military. Went back to school in Colorado now where he went on to earn his master's degree in music. Okay. So now he's got his bachelor's degree in philosophy and his master's degree in music. He, like, really, really was into music, and we're about to get even more into it. So um, at this point, Marshall moved to New York City because he wanted to pursue being a professional singer. Excuse me. Okay. Huh. That didn't go so well. It was pretty unsuccessful. <laughs> Which, which most people face. Most in New York City. He just couldn't <laughs> cut it on, on Broadway. It just wasn't working out. So, no, it was not working out for him whatsoever. Very unsuccessful. Very defeated. So then he started teaching at the University of Alabama. Ah, those uh, who can't do. They teach. <laughs> I hate that comment. It's I know. Such a fucking it's so fucking move. rude. I feel yeah. like it's. I feel like if anything, it's like the opposite. You know. I know. <laughs> but but in this case, yeah, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> so, Do you have any idea, like if if he was like a good musician? Uh, you know what? I that's like the one part of my research that I didn't actually like look to listen for videos i know there's like it's like you it's like not wanting to youtube like charles manson's songs because you're know. like i don't want to fucking listen to charles manson no, i don't, I don't like, give him the clicks <laughs> yeah exactly. he's making money like how's he making money come on how am i still broke like but so yeah i didn't look for it if i remember correctly in the one documentary i watched there is a clip of them kind of like the group singing together like guitar and stuff but i didn't like i don't think i fully registered that you know what i mean of yeah like, oh no, is it good enough, yeah. like does it sound good <laughs> but i figure it must listen. not sound like like claws on a chalkboard but I like mean, he he did do well school wise with it and then yeah, also went on to I like mean. direct different units so it's like he must have some sort of there's some kind of level musical of talent. Yeah. yeah like he's definitely i'd say skilled maybe mm -hmm. like he's 
earned that title where it's like he's worked towards it. He has the skills. Maybe he doesn't have the talent side of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he started teaching. He's at the University of Alabama. But he quickly lost that position um, because he had pursued a sexual relationship with one of his male students. Oh, okay. Naturally, his wife found out about the affair and asked for a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, this was all around 1965-ish, roughly. Um, so they also, like, it took... First they separated and then it took, like, I think, like, a year or two to get, like, an official divorce. But either way, that happened. Yeah. Which is fair. Like, if you guys aren't... If, I mean, if he's attracted to men, he's attracted to men and he's not going to remain married and all that stuff. So probably for the best for her and the children, especially with the way things turned out. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> right? We know where this goes. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, noted quite a bit that Marshall actually had some, like, really serious struggles with his sexual identity, um, like, in this time period in particular. And then again, a little bit later, we'll get into that. Um, but this is still, like, that time period where, I mean, we, I think we've talked about it in so many different cases where this is just when people were wildly judged when two people of the same sex were together. It just wasn't yeah. as accepted back we, then. We talked about it last like, week with Helga Beer's episode, yes, right? With that's like it. 1968. And it's sort of like this was not at all accepted no. by the general no. population. And it obviously like – because of that, like obviously it doesn't like excuse all of his mistakes he did. But it's just like it does add to somebody's like mental state. So I think this – it played a role the way he like – the shame and guilt he felt because of this. Cause like his father, like it's noted in places that his like father basically like disowned him and was like, Oh, I heard about this. Or you can't be part of the family, you know, like get out of here, you know, like stuff like that where, so he carried a lot of like shame and trauma from that. And it's like, it's such a simple thing where we could just like, I don't know, not judge people for their sexual orientation and like avoid potential situations like this. Yeah. Not, not to say that like all of this caused no, it's not, it's not an it's excuse. Just a it's just it's, a tr contributing factor. So yeah. I think just everybody as a society, let's just get a little bit more, like, courteous of people. People are going to do what they want to do, and that's totally fine. Everybody just love who you want to love. So it's back to it. Some of Marshall's insecurities about his sexual identity actually comes back later to severely, severely impact his followers that he later gains. Okay. Keep that in mind. Okay. Just keep. Just keep it in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. okay. I'll, I'll mention it again before we wrap the episode up. But Okay. Yeah, because I always forget about this detail and I'm like, oh, oh, but we'll get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But after this, Marshall moved to Houston where he became chair of the music department at the University of St. Thomas. So he started singing locally. He actually became pretty popular, like in town like i think singing yeah. at different places singing at different churches like mm -hmm. he was a very like community driven guy so in 1970 he resigned from the university and it cited that he was struggling with emotional problems and depression as the reason for his departure from the university there was however speculations by a few sociologists as well as students and people who like came forward and made notes about it after the fact that he actually had another affair with another student. Mm. 
I and I, I like I had heard Tisk, in other podcasts. Tisk. I know, like it's so. It, that's the taboo part. It's not who the student is. It's, it's not the, the fact. That it's not the the gender of no. the person that you're having sex with. It's, it's the fact that it's a teacher student relationship, which it's is inappropriate. Like, it's inappropriate. But it's you're in a position of authority and like that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and none of the ages are listed. So like I don't know if it was like of consenting age and stuff, things mm-hmm. like that. Like that's even more taboo. We don't know. So. The university's president later goes on to comment that Marshall was quite often mentally jumbled and disorganized near the end of his employment, quote. So not the best remarks about him, but I've heard a lot of other podcasts talk about that section and relate it to like his homosexuality, where it was like everyone kind of called him mentally jumbled and all of these things because that he was gay. And they saw it as, like, a disorder at the time. Because actually, at this time, in the DSM, it, it was, it was DSM, a disorder yeah. that needed to be treated. Yeah. So, that's... A lot of people comment on that, saying, like, oh, it's because of this. And it's, like, it very well could be. But it could also very well be that he actually was mentally jumbled. Not yeah. because of his sexual orientation, but yeah. because of other factors. So, a lot of ifs here. So about two years go by after that, and he had met a woman named Bonnie Nettles. So now we're going to jump into Bonnie a bit, and then we'll meet back up. Okay. I think we've done that before in other episodes, but that's what we're doing today. Yes. Whew. So Bonnie Nettles was born on August 29th, 1927. She was raised in Houston, Texas, uh, grew up in a Baptist family. Later in her early adulthood, she moved away from the religion She became a registered nurse, got married, had four children. Again, no need for their names. They're out, except for one kid, because um, one of her children actually speaks out in this one documentary that I got a very good chunk of my information from, her daughter, Terry. She recalls, like, some of the things that, like, her mom and her would do together, like, just talks about their time and kind of, like, clarifies a few things, so... I'll I'll just be recalling some of the notes that Terry brings forward because she's kind of like the first person like account of information versus like finding an article of somebody that just researched it, right? Yeah. So whenever like family speaks out, I'm like, okay, I'm taking their word for it <laughs> because that's who I trust. Yeah. Yeah. So Bonnie started to get pretty into contacting deceased spirits, hosting seances, and all of that kind of stuff. She studied astrology, theosophy, and the occult. Which is actually pretty fucking cool. Like, I think that's cool. Like, all of those topics oh, are, yeah, like, for sure. cool. Study it up. Do that. Like, I, I have a few friends that are, like, very into, like, cool witchy shit. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. But also, when it crosses this line where it's becoming a dangerous thing and it your views get a little too out there, that's when it's dangerous. And that's kind of what happens with Bonnie. And we're we're going to get there. So after a little bit, she started to believe that this 19th century monk named Brother Francis was speaking to her and giving her instructions. That's not a good thing to be experiencing. Yeah. Because that it doesn't always mean that you've contacted a dead spirit. Sometimes it means you're hearing voices and it's unhealthy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, what I chalk it up sure. to. So she, at this time, started seeing some fortune tellers and... Just wanted to, like, understand more about herself and her destiny and whatnot. These fortune tellers had told her she was soon to meet, uh, and I quote, mysterious man who was tall with light hair and a fair complexion. Of course, this later matches Marshall's appearance. 
So okay, yeah, it's pretty generic. Which is it, it is pretty it is pretty generic, but at you the same I mean? time, like if you want if you want it to work in your favor, it's gonna. That's work what in your I mean. Favor. It's like one of those things where it's like they tell you that, and then you're like just it's not that hard to find someone who's tall. And no, you can just go and be like, who's tall? And, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like you're like, yeah. oh, it must be you, right? <laughs> so one night, Bonnie's at work, the hospital. Her daughter Terry, I don't remember how old she was at this time. She was just younger. Um, was at work as well, but she worked at the local theater where Marshall also worked producing some weekend children's shows, teaching drama classes, stuff like that. At that time, there wasn't any connection with Marshall through Terry to Bonnie. Okay. They just, that was their only connection was that Terry worked with Marshall. But at that point in time, Bonnie and Marshall didn't know each other until this incident. So someone at the the theater where Terry was working on this day had hurt themselves at one point throughout the day. So Marshall took the injured person to the hospital where it said that that's how Marshall and Bonnie met. Okay. They just essentially, according to both of them and Terry mainly, it was like they collided and poof, instant connection. They were just like soul bonded right away like okay yeah very powerful stuff <laughs> it sounds like it they both i've like, never experienced anything like that before no. in my you life you know what i'm gonna i'll say it and i say it time and time again the only time i've ever experienced something like that is with oscar <laughs> um, i thought you were gonna say with drew and i was gonna be like really no i mean at first i was like dang he's cute <laughs> yeah but, yeah no of course but like, i thought the same thing about luke but it wasn't like soul bonding yeah like, <laughs> soul like, bonding complete and that is the man i'm going to marry yeah. like no i didn't know him no no I, <laughs> hell i'm still not even sure no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no but yeah that's so intense i definitely had that intense feeling with oscar i looked into that guy's eyes and i was like he, you my best friend is how it's happening <laughs> did we just become <laughs> best, best friends, friends? <laughs> so ba- basically yes <laughs> yeah. so right away like intense connection for them they right away built a friendship marshall claims that he had right away felt like he had known her for a long long time and they both as a unit concluded that they actually had met in a like a previous life okay so they were like we just as you do. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's, and that's, that's a harmless thought. That is like to be oh, like, for oh sure. yeah, oh, we're, yeah of course. we're old souls and we're, we've met and, you know, like, that's fine. That's very romantic and that's great. And it's also, but, it's, it's also okay to believe in reincarnation. Oh, like, no, no, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's something that like, I find extremely fascinating in like, I listen to like podcasts about like people who like claim to remember past lives and yeah. have like, e- like pretty like solid evidence of it like the things that they've said and like it's it's so interesting it's, it's people so study cool. it like it's so cool so like you said that in itself is is perfectly harmless and it's yeah. like it's kind of I, I feel like when it comes to like reincarnation that's like i think we all know i'm not like an extremely religious person we've we talk about that openly yeah. i i try to never judge religions unless it gets to a point where people are being like harmed yeah that's ab- when i'm absolutely. gonna be like that's wrong yeah. but when i think about reincarnation it's one of the few aspects of religion in general that I'm like, I could get on board with. You know what I mean? Like that to me makes the most, I want to say logical, but the most sense in my head of like, okay, if there is this afterlife, I don't view it as like, I'm going to walk into clouds of heaven. I'm imagining like, I'm just going to be like born again and start Mm -hmm. a new soul somewhere else. Like, yeah. So I think, I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. So I agree. Totally, totally agree on that front. But anyways, there is a lot of discrepancy around how they met. 
the story I just told you is Terry's story. Okay. And I, I did find it elsewhere multiple times, but then in a lot of other research and again, in that, in those articles and podcasts that talk about this version of events, there isn't always a lot of, I guess, documents to back it up. Again, it's extremely hard to back up when two people met you know what I mean that's a hard thing to fact check but anyways I'm taking Terry's word for it but I will say the other one because it could I don't know impact your view on specifically Marshall the other story is that Marshall around this time because he had just lost his job and was like going through like you know his own personal traumas and demons with dealing with his dad, not being approving of his lifestyle. And, you know, he's going through a divorce and all these things. He's struggling. He supposedly checked himself into the psychiatric unit in the hospital that Bonnie worked at. And she helped him in there. Okay. I couldn't find anything that to me nailed that as absolute truth. So that's why I wanted to include both just in case you can take your own version of events and run with it. The reason why I'm trusting Terry is because if a family member is speaking out on their version of events and they're alive to tell their story, I'm going to tell their story. Yeah, of course. And how yeah. it impacted them. Because you have, a, Terry... you have a, basically a firsthand account of yeah. it. So as opposed to like something Absolutely. else, like you said, written by someone else who researched who, it, who, who talked to someone know. else, yeah. who knew someone like, because like someone yeah. could have read Terry's story written and said, oh, Marshall was out of hospital. It's probably because he was in the psychiatric ward. Let's run with this story and have everybody believe that. Yeah. Because that's juicier. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, those are the two events. So Terry goes on to recall in the documentary that growing up, she and her mom always bonded over the, their shared feelings on not really feeling connected to this world per se or just anything in specific like they felt very like i i i want to say she said something along the lines of like lost souls or something like that that's not her exact wording but it was she was just saying that they they bonded over almost like this absence of religion like they didn't feel like this there was anything they could like connection like have faith in yeah so they bonded over that as mother and daughter and like i think that's quite nice that terry has these positive memories Mm -hmm. they also really loved looking into ufos aliens and all of that kind of stuff which is also super interesting like a lot of people do that like Mm -hmm. that's it is a very interesting topic so you know me i'm waiting for the aliens i know like i'm like i'm ready for you guys yeah (laughs) we're being abducted right now they're (laughs) listening happening (laughs) their technology is way beyond ours i know we're not going to talk shit about the aliens don't worry of course fucking doing that you think i'm that stupid (laughs) (laughs) i would never (laughs) i love you guys (laughs) um (laughs) but so anyways that's all like totally normal especially when you hear terry talk about it too it's extra normal like we all have this sort of interest in the unknown like, do aliens exist? All that. Like, it's not completely out of this world to be interested in that topic. So mm, I, no. I don't want that to be the thing that people are like, Bonnie's a whack job. And it's like, <laughs> let's call her that for other reasons. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> because I don't think having an interest in aliens and UFOs entirely writes you off. It's when you take I mean, it to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Of course, of course. You know that. I was gonna be like, man, like I'm a, I'm a nutter. Yeah, I'm a nut. <laughs> the things I believe in. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I believe in way nuttier things than aliens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at this point, like. So, it's it's 
clearly, and you see it in the documentary, it like breaks your heart. It's clearly difficult for Terry to see how something she believed to be a simple, innocent interest she shared with her mother get turned into something so much bigger and so much more sinister. Yeah. The way it goes. And, and I think it's one of those things where she's like, had I known that this was coming, I, I like, I would have done like more, like, it's just, you can see the like weight she carries in even just being connected. Yeah. Yeah. No, of, of so, course. So, but it's just, it's, it's great. I will link the documentary, by the way. It's called, I don't know why I should have, I, I confidently went and be like, it's called, and then immediately forgot. <laughs> um, I can't remember. I'll, I'll say it later when it pops in my head or I'll just put it in the show notes. Anyways, back to it. <laughs> so. Bonnie, one day early into her hers and Marshall's, like, relationship, she gave Marshall an, an astrological reading. Again, totally fine. I've got friends that do that. It's normal. That's fine. Um, it was at this point that Bonnie realized that hers and Marshall's meeting wasn't a mistake or an accident. It was actually foretold to her by extraterrestrials that told her she had a divine assignment to carry out. Okay. So she and Marshall agreed that Bonnie was going to be essentially the brains. They talked about this. Like, Bonnie's the insight, the knowledge, the brain mm -hmm. of their unit. And Marshall's the speaker. He's okay. the... He just goes out there and carries out the message. Okay. That was their kind of agreement. And it felt destined for them that they had no choice. This was just how they had to do it. Right. It's written for them. They, okay. I mean, you don't no fucking argue with aliens. <laughs> you don't. Well, that I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So they pretty quickly started living together. However, it's noted that their relationship was platonic. So what I don't understand about their timeline, and even the documentary kind of had it like a little foggy for me with like when things happened per se, but they had started living together, but she, she was still married at this time from my understanding, or it okay. might have, the split might have happened prior to the living together. It was just very hard to discern. Okay. But anyway, so they're starting to get really like deep and strongly connected and whatnot, but this of course kind of disturbed the peace with Bonnie's husband. So he naturally quickly filed for a divorce and she very quickly lost custody of her three children. Okay. Yes. At this time, like, Marshall, in what appears to be solidarity, also cut ties from his family almost entirely. Okay. So Bonnie went through that and he was just like, you know what? This is probably for the best because in order to act out our mission, we can't have dead weight. Yeah. We have to disconnect from them. So that, that started that aspect of things for them, if you okay. will. Okay. So they're living together, they're doing their thing, they're they're soul bonded over the, the aliens that are telling them about their divine mission. Yeah. So Bonnie and Marshall opened up a bookstore called the Christian Art Center. It had books from like a whole different variety of religious and spiritual backgrounds, all kinds of things along those lines. Like that's kind of the books they were selling in that store. Then after that had started, they started another venture. It was called The No Place, as in like K N. O W. Okay. Not like the no, but you know 
<laughs> I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for clarifying because I just pictured no. No. Like, you uh, no. <laughs> This is where they taught classes on theosophy and mysticism. So theosophy is essentially just like a religion of a different type. Okay. I didn't read too much into theosophy because as soon as I started to read into like the first little bit, I was like, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole and get skewed from my research that pertains to just this. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I had to like, I had to that's make a choice. to me before. And it, for it sure. went and that's, yeah, I was like, this is going to, this is going to turn for me. <laughs> I'm going to get sucked in. So anyways, these ventures didn't last too long. They closed them both up and then they decided to hit the road to share their like newfound personal belief system with others that they come in contact with in hopes of gaining followers who view the world the same way as them. Because they're feeling at this time, they are being contacted by aliens. We're just going to like chalk it up to that. That's how they felt like they have a message to bring to other people to better themselves, to get ready for an afterlife. And let's, we've got a whole system set up for you guys. We'll get more into those details, but okay. yeah. So they ended up gaining their first convert in 1974. It was just an old friend of theirs from Houston. Um, they like had traveled around, like people would come, like not a lot of people would join right away. But so their yeah. first convert was somebody they knew. I think that person actually within like a year or two removed themselves. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, hey, Bob, do you want to like join me in my Tupperware business. You know what I yeah. mean? And then they're like, oh. Where we worship a cat. Okay. <laughs> it's like, like, or it's like something fucking <laughs> random and you're like, oh. And, you know, when it's like a friend or like an acquaintance is like, hey, yeah. I'm selling Mary Kay now. And, yeah. you're, like, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, like, I'll, I'll go to your party. You, like, but, yeah. like, <laughs> but I don't want in. I don't. I don't want to be a rat. Yeah. Like, I Which, don't want to. Yeah. And this is also, <laughs> this is why I wanted to do my like cults 101 episode first because like there's i have a whole bunch of that in there I that think we're about, gonna, like pyramid schemes yes and stuff, and there's like, a yeah, whole yeah, section yeah, so we're gonna get there don't worry oh yeah <laughs> we are gonna cover that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good like yeah. it's gonna be good uh you know i have lots to say i about that know section. you do yeah. <laughs> i've got a lot on my sleeve <laughs> so anyways yeah their first convert was just like a friend and then i from all accounts i'm pretty sure that friend quickly left but so anyways they keep traveling around and they they headed out towards like California and Oregon area. I think I say Oregon weird. Is it how do you say it? Oregon, Oregon. I say Oregon. Oregon. Okay. I've always been like self conscious of saying it for some reason because it's one of those ones where I feel like I'm saying like Aragon or something like completely different. Where it's like, not yeah. Old. Anyways, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> That was, if you could have seen Becky's face when she tried to say it, she was like trembling. She was trying was like, so hard. I don't know what Oregon. to say. Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> okay. That's a weird one. All right, guys. <laughs> Aren't you like a speech language person? Like what's wrong with me? <laughs> I, I need. I nothing need wrong with you. I need an appointment. Okay. Can I book an appointment? Yes. <laughs> so they slowly gained a small group of committed followers, like relatively quickly after that first one. The pair of them... They were truly, truly, by all accounts, even people who had come forward in the documentary that survived the cult, they they confirmed that the two of them were entirely convinced up until, like, the very end that they were essentially the second coming of Jesus in a, in a roundabout way and were on a mission that was predetermined for them by the extraterrestrials that spoke to Bonnie. Like, they were convinced. 
Like they had everybody convinced that they were fucking convinced. Were they, are you using the second coming of Jesus as like a metaphor or were like they actually associating themselves to Christianity and like its beliefs? So their belief system, which, which I'm going to go into really in depth in the second episode, it's said to be like a really weird mixture of like Christianity meets sci-fi meets reincarnation meets like a few other things that aren't aren't technically like religions per se but like a lot of their like base information comes from christianity and then they take like other things from other religions and And doctrines and stuff exactly and and kind of of filter it in that's yeah so when they say like they're the second coming of jesus like they mean it but they don't mean it in the literal sense of them being like jesus christ they just mean like in the same magnitude if that makes sense yeah yeah oh for sure yeah yeah so they wholeheartedly believed it there's there's one um person i'm gonna talk about him in just like a second because he's in the documentary like the whole time like recalling his experience but he still even to this day truly believes that like both marshall and bonnie like really believed the things that they were teaching like it it didn't feel as though they were like doing anything technically maliciously like although things turned malicious and scary as they naturally do he truly thought like they just thought that they were doing what they thought was supposed to be the right thing right right which is unfortunate because it's yeah. so it gets so dark and sinister of so course quick. yeah but i mean even this guy who survived the whole entirety of it minus the mass suicide he he's like i still to this day view him as somebody who truly thinks he's basically jesus Mm -hmm. essentially yeah so anyways they're traveling around all that stuff they published like advertisements in different like towns for meetings where they this is where they would like show people their word and recruit like disciples basically who they referred to as, like, the crew in the beginning. I don't know if they continued calling them the crew later, but this was, like, more of, like, a beginning thing, it seemed like. So, at the events, they had told people that they were representing beings from another planet mm-hmm. called the Next Level. The planet was called the Next Level? I don't know if the planet was called the Next Level, or they just referred to getting to the planet that they're from as the next level. Oh, I level. see I see what you mean. Like So they okay. were like this is the next level. We're from the next level and we're here to help you get there. I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see. So <laughs> So as you can imagine, that's like, not why true. I'm here. We're here to elevate you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make you maximize your true potential. <laughs> <laughs> That's a salesperson's face right there, yeah. (laughs) So, and and people people believe it. And we're going to get into that side of things after the, like, follower side of things. Because there are people that speak out publicly about their experience within this cult and why they fell into it and everything. And it... I think a lot of people, when they talk about, like, cults, especially ones like this, where there is something like a mass suicide or something just horribly horribly scary going on in the background a lot of people jump to like oh how could you wind up in that situation and it's like i i do want to tell some of these people's stories so you can see just exactly how easy it is for anybody to wind up in a situation like this like yeah it is not like these people are 
not smart or anything like that. These are educated, intelligent people that were lost at a time and found comfort in other people that they felt a connection to. So we're going to get into that. But whenever we talk about cults, I just want everyone to know I'm I'm almost never ever going to make fun of or joke about like the actual members. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Because no, I course. that's I not just, our style. No, that's, that's just, just like, not us. Some people do it, but like it's crass in yeah. my opinion and I think um uh it's just not in our nature to um like poke fun at people who like you said are are in a place in their life where they're vulnerable enough to sort of be seeking comfort yeah. in in something that is a bit off you know yeah. what i mean I, i'm not saying a bit like at the end it's very off but i mean in the beginning it's easy to look past those things when yeah. again you're looking for that support or you're looking for that faith exactly and someone's given that to you exactly um yeah it, it can hold a lot of power over you Especially so i would never like, ever judge exactly. someone for being in that position because like you said it could happen to anybody in the right circumstances and the light the light the right life experiences it can happen to anybody mm-hmm. especially when you are like if you're someone who feels lost and then you're out actively searching for people to connect with, you'll find it. Yeah. So this is just one of those unfortunate situations where connections were made with the wrong people. That's yeah. all. So anyways, the teachings that were taught to their followers were that they would all be visited by the extraterrestrials who would provide them with new bodies. So this part's important. When the teachings began, Gan, like when they're basically when the group formed and they started having a following, Marshall had declared that he and his followers would merely physically ascend into the spaceship that is sent for them. Okay. Where once on the ship, they, they alive in their bodies, ascended up, would, would then be transformed into their new form. Okay. okay. Yeah. So... That's like, it. that's key here. But over time, this developed into a little bit more than just a classic old alien abduction. He later on goes to declare that their bodies were simply just containers of their souls. And later we'll, we'll dive into this, but that these bodies would just be kind of discarded so they can be properly placed into new bodies. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'll explain that more in a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. there's a key for thing sure. that sparks the change in why we're changing basically our whole doctrine yeah so um a stipulation with like agreeing to be a part of the group and their experiment was leaving all worldly possessions behind this included family relationships friends belongings money everything you're just coming with us now. Like, you're just part of the group. So they initially had started, like, camping places. Okay. And whatnot. Um, when joining the group on, like, a more official level, people who had eventually come to leave the group prior to the mass suicide had spoke out in the documentary about the instructions that they were handed upon joining. It was, like, it was like a list. I'm going to cover the list in the second part because okay. it's a fucking list okay. of, like basically a checklist of things you need to do and like the first one was just like say goodbye to your family <laughs> and not even necessarily say goodbye to them because you you just left them high and dry don't, in don't most say cases. goodbye and just leave it's say goodbye in your head <laughs> in your fucking head and that's it <laughs> so 
it was it was a lot like becoming a monk in a way and this is also how they would later refer to themselves to outsiders was that they were monks when they were questioned about their appearance and stuff like that okay which i don't think is necessarily fair to monks like i was just gonna say how dare they i know but this <laughs> is just what really they did and it's people. unfortunate yeah <laughs> like, they're, they're a very peaceful people yeah, like, i don't think i've ever once heard like in the news like this monk shot somebody or something like that i don't no. think i've ever heard that they've elevated yeah they, they figured they it out they are the next level yeah. <laughs> So they had this list of instructions and stipulations to join things like leaving your family, everything you own, and how going forward, if you want the mission to be successful, there's steps you have to follow. Like celibacy was on that list. The main entire goal for their successful transition into their new bodies, like as stated in their doctrine and their writings and everything like that. Um, oh, I just lost my spot. They basically had to eliminate their humanhood is how they kind of like referred to it, where it was just like basically all of like your humanistic desires, emotion, sexual drive, everything, like anything like that, that makes you a human being that sets you aside from like an animal or a slug on the ground. Like mm -hmm. it's the thing that drives you is like your humanness, like your compassion to another person, like things like that. It was it was very much so we're just beings now that's it right okay we're just shells we're containers yeah that's it so it was deemed not only really unnecessary but against the way of the extraterrestrials that they were all destined to become to have anything that gave them any kind of human individuality so they right away kind of opted to be essentially more like androgynous where everyone was like considered to be on the same like you're not a female you're you're just a blank. Yeah. You're not a male. You're just this. Like, we're just shells. We're just... So, they... Where was this? They right away all cut their hair very short. All had the exact same look. Mm -hmm. Because there doesn't need to be individuality. It's just, like, keep it short for maintenance purposes. Like, everything was basically just upkeep of your human shell. Okay. It's like, okay, like, just... Maintain it. That's it. Keep it tidy. What about clothes? Do they all wear the same clothes? They did. So everyone uh, wore the same loose clothing. Nothing flashy. Basically anything that would let out any kind of creative expression. Gone. It was just like... They're like famously at the end seen wearing jumpsuits. We're going to get to those jumpsuits. But most of their clothing was just like big button-ups, baggy pants. Just very generic clothing that everybody wore. So What about their shoes? Um, we're going to get to the shoes, Haley. <laughs> we, I have a whole note on the shoes. Don't you worry. I'm just, She's fucking with me. I'm so confused about the shoes. We're going to get to the shoes. I know, no, I know we are. I know we are. About. I know they're all, all the same. It's just like one of those like things where it's like generic. Mm, I don't know. Like There's a reason though. There is a reason. Okay. That's I'll, what I'm wondering. Is there a reason? There's, okay. there's a very good reason and it actually fits with what what they're all about really it, it's just when, do it yeah. <laughs> so that's what people used to think we're gonna get the Haley. quit it sorry, sorry. I, I didn't know that had anything to do with it, it. doesn't it doesn't okay you know you're not kidding, okay, I'm kidding. Okay. Oh, I'm so curious you, well you're gonna have to wait you're gonna have to wait and for part two because i'm not gonna do it now no i know i'm, I'm not gonna you guys it. even i'm gonna have to wait like this is how we keep the listeners coming i know i'm literally driving home we're not we're not I'm recording not part two after with the shoes i'm gonna text you in the middle of the night and be like tell me about the shoes i'll tell you after okay
Unless do you want to be surprised? Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> okay. So anyways, they're all wearing the same stuff. Can't be flashy. It's just fucking generic as hell until they switched into jumpsuits later. And shoes. Okay. So you also shoes. had to basically... Shoes. You basically had to cut off all actual human emotion as well. So the group members were like forbidden from sex, as I mentioned, but also more of a focus on the actual like love and emotion side of things. That's just unnecessary with the aliens. You don't need to do that. Like okay. we don't need to be like schmoozing on each other. It's just unnecessary. I mean, I beg to differ, but yeah. I beg to differ. <laughs> I, I do too. I love but, love. <laughs> I love love. But um, so a former member um, of the group, his name is Frank. He talks out in the talks out. He speaks out in the documentary about his experience, how pr I think it happened prior to joining the group or at the group. No, it happened beforehand. I'll, I'll clarify because I didn't write that down because I'm a stupid person. But <laughs> anyways, he spoke out about his experience and how he had met the literal love of his life. Like even in this documentary, like I don't, it's been over 25 years I think last year was the 25th anniversary, I believe. So, yeah, it's been oh, over 25 years and he still is like to this Heaven's day. Gate? Yeah. I didn't realize it happened that late. 97. Wow. I thought it was 80s for sure. I thought it was like late 80s. I think that's when things started like. That's when things started. But okay, the, the actual okay, okay, conclusion wow. of okay. it is 97. Interesting. That's. Okay the conclusion though so i mean it's been longer for sure yeah yeah yeah. no but so even to this day like he still talks about um erica who he said was the love of his life mm. in the highest of regard like even to this day he still is like i i think i still love her like Aww. and so uh, like prior to joining the group when they found the group they finally felt like they had found the exact people in the world who understood them had similar values as them, wanted to explore life and afterlife in the same manner. So at that time for them, a lot of their views aligned with the group. Like they really liked the simplicity of the lifestyle they were living. Mm -hmm. They they loved the idea of in the next level, whenever that time comes, because it kept getting pushed later and later. Again, that's something for later. Of course, but, yeah. Uh, like they they really liked the promise of something bigger and better for them in the afterlife essentially and doesn't everybody kind of like that so it's one of those Absolutely. things where like again i'm never gonna look well, at well luke and i have always talked about like i don't know when you like watch when you're watching a movie or tv show or something where it's like someone dies and you're trying to explain it to a child like even if you're not religious isn't there like something more comforting to believe that there is something after death yeah. instead of like looking at like a five-year-old kid being like they're gone and there's not like there's just nothing no they're just They've blank just, now and they're, yeah they're just in the earth and they yeah. don't feel anything anymore and their soul is nowhere and like they're never yeah. coming back like it's way more comforting it's to... just comforting for everyone to believe yeah. that there is something after death i think yeah i think most people like no matter what they believe happens after death they believe something happens. Mm -hmm. I think most people, most people want to I think to most think people that. do and most people want to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. So the pair of them, Erica and Frank, joined the group. And then shortly after joining the group, they were literally forced to stop loving each other. Like, they couldn't be boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, nothing like that. It was... They had to become platonic. There's no need for love, sex, and emotion to be brought along the group's journey. 
it's it, it if anything it hinders their journey in their eyes so okay they adhered to those rules because they were like well we're still together, together. yeah yeah and they can still they can still enjoy each other's company it's not like you know you couldn't like laugh and then you'd be like whipped or something you know it was just like you, they could still enjoy each other's presence it just unfortunately like the love aspect was gone mm-hmm. frank later goes on to leave the group he was extremely grateful for this and expresses how because of the role he later like in the later duration of the group's timeline the role he played in it was a very privileged one because he was one of the few people that essentially had a connection with the outside world so a lot of members in the group if they they didn't have this very specific role they were essentially removed from modern day society Okay. Whether they were at the time like camping and whatnot or in a house, which we're about to get to. But um, uh, where was I? He, Yeah, he was just like one of the few people that was able to like still have connection with reality, mm-hmm. which at the time he didn't realize was reality until like a few things started clicking for him. So um, he he felt really connected to the group's ideologies and everything along those lines. But now he realized with having access to the outside world that there's basically more to life. Mm-hmm. He's getting that like tidbit of like, hey, people are out here getting married and it's fine. Yeah. And they're, and they're happy. Or yeah. they're, you know, people, I'm, I'm seeing people doing this and, and they're happy. Yeah. So things like that, I think we're clicking for him. So Frank's role, um, I'll talk about it briefly. Um, it might, maybe I talk about it again in part two. I can't remember. But anyways. Too bad I'm going to repeat myself. Um, He was in IT. So a few members of the group were really well-versed in this field. Like, what's IT even stand for? Information technology? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what I thought, but I was like, that doesn't sound right. But I think that's it. But anyways, as was Frank, they they all worked in different IT jobs to basically help earn an income to fund the the group. group. Yeah. Um, As well as... um, they worked on the group's website to help maintain an online presence for the group. The website actually comes in later in our timeline, but I'm just putting it in here since we're talking about Frank. So, um, Frank talks in the documentary mainly about how the rules kept him and Erica apart, even though he like still loved her. Um, they tried to remain platonic and they did, but Frank still had feelings of love, which went against the rules. Yeah. So in his head, he's thinking he's kind of like failing, right? You would feel like a certain level of guilt if you're like believing in these ideologies and that they're right. But then you're like, but I, I can't stop myself from having yeah. this feeling. So like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I, if I remember correctly, that was part of his reason to leave was because he felt like he was essentially a failure and that he mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to overcome it. Yeah. Um he wasn't a failure. He is still alive and well. Just a human. And, and that's the thing. And it's just unfortunate that things went this way. Yeah. Um, Erica was a was very devoted to the group and followed all instructions. And she was unfortunately one of the members who later passes with other members of the group during the mass suicide. Mm-hmm. This obviously, like, hit Frank extremely hard. And he does talk about it. And we're going to get to some of the closure of the suicide there's it was a new detail i didn't know about so we're gonna we're gonna get there but so back to our regular timeline we're going on this is about the 70s ish 
the group used up some of their funds and and used this to pay for like housing. So they were kind of coming off the streets and going into like rentals basically. Yeah. Um, they used like their money that they did make for expenses like rent and kind of supporting the group and surviving. Um, around this time, there's about roughly 25 members ish. There's reports all over around this time in the Oregon area of people essentially just vanishing out of thin air from their families and then joining this group and never returning. Okay. So in the documentary, there are a few survivors who speak out and some family members of people who joined and how quickly they lost all contact with their family member. Like this whole movement started to basically like shock communities. Like it was, it's a volume of people that is scary to out of nowhere for like a town to be like 25 people are, are essentially gone. Yeah. Whether they said goodbye or not, like they're all gone. They, they now don't have contact with their families. Like, they can't be reached. They don't have a phone number. Like, stuff like that. Yeah, that's scary. So, there's a mom who speaks out in the documentary about losing her daughter to the Heaven's Gate cult and how she came to learn about it. So, what happened is, is her daughter essentially joined and told her family, like, very briefly, but then just fell off the face of the earth. Like, they didn't hear from her for... I don't know how long she said, but it was like months initially. So out of nowhere, they receive a letter from her basically just saying where she was, that she'll essentially just be with this group from now on and that she's very like devoted to this mission. She feels like at home, et cetera, et cetera. But when the mom turns it around on the back of this handwritten letter from her daughter is one of their flyers that they use to have people come to meetings. Mm. So... It's one of their flyers that literally just, like, talks about UFOs and solving that. And I'm going to I'm gonna share a picture of this flyer on our Instagram because it's, like, it's not the most wild thing you'll ever see. But it's, it's one of those things where if I was reading a letter from my daughter saying, I'm with this group. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming back and said basically goodbye forever in a letter. And then I turned it around saying, like, basically, UFOs are coming and we're all fucked. I'd be like, something not good is something not that chill is happening here. Like, it's very alarming. So the mom is like, oh, my God. Like, she even states, she's like, I saw that and my heart fucking sank. Like, it would. So when her parents saw that, they were like, okay. This isn't just her joining like a regular religious mission anymore. This isn't that. This is more heavy. And months had gone by at this point, maybe even a year. The timeline's really spaced out. But um, where did I put this? Uh, Yeah. So finally, their daughter had called home. I think it was years later, like two to three, possibly, that she had called home, which her parents had proactively, like the day after receiving the letter, placed a recorder on their phone to record any calls that come in if she ever happened to call home. Okay. Very proactive. Very proactive. Like, when they said that, I was like, oh, damn. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I was just thinking. I'm like, I wouldn't even think to do that. And in this time, I would have, especially, like, in the 70s, like, 
it's not like now where it's like, oh, if you're going to go talk to someone scary, like record the comment. We have our phone right here. It's like, I feel like back then it would be like a recorder. Like that wouldn't pop into my head at all. No. Like technology no. wouldn't pop into my head. I would just be like, oh shit, I guess we just wait. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so they played an audio recording of this conversation in the documentary. Her parents are like, they're both on the line and they're just like, we love you. We miss you. Like constantly expressing their emotion to her. And she replies to them and she's receptive of their emotion, but she's strategically responding where it doesn't, it's not her saying, I love you too. I miss you because you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's showing emotion. So she just says, I know, I know. And it's like, and it's, it's very sad. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. So, and then she just goes on to what sounds like happily explain to them that she's essentially living like a monk now. It's very lovely. Like everyone's so welcoming. We're all celibate. Like she mentions that in the call and whatnot. And her parents said that that was the last they had ever heard from her in person, like speaking in person. Like it, Wow. They they say, like, it was a nice conversation because she sounded happy. It's just extremely unfortunate that it worked out this way. And there's nothing they could have done. There's nothing they could have done. No, no. So now we're moving into 1975-ish. They've gained more traction from their traveling and, pre- like, preaching in different areas. This is when Bonnie and Marshall decide to have the group go a little bit more incognito. They stopped making things as public as they had in the beginning, like really advertising meetings and stuff because, um, oh, hang on. Okay. I thought I messed up, but so they, they, they basically just like, this is when they kind of reverted back to tents a little bit and like just hit out in like discrete areas because in hindsight now, like it, for the members at the time, it felt like a mandatory part of the mission where it was like, oh, well, nature's calling us. We need to go and, like, connect and do these trainings and stuff. And we'll get to, like, the trainings and the things they had to do. Um, but in hindsight now, it, like, appears to everyone that this period of almost, like, secrecy they um, went through was directly in relation to all of the commotion that was going on in the news at the time in the nearby communities of missing persons. So they're like, okay, in hindsight, it's because people are looking for this group. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the moment, like even the members are like, we didn't necessarily realize that per se. Yeah. It was more so like, okay, well, our teachings are requiring us to go into into the forest, not into hiding. But that's what they were doing was basically into hiding. Because a lot of family members saw that, saw it in their eyes that, their loved one was literally abducted by a cult. That's how a lot that's, of people... Yeah, that's how you would see it. That's how That's how I'd see it. That's how I would see it. I would be like, you stole my family member. You, like, right? brainwashed them into, like, going with you. And, like, they don't realize, but, like, they're... They've been taken. They're a victim of you. Yeah. Like, whether you... Whether they're sitting there smiling or not, they're, in one way or another, a victim of you. Yeah. Like, you just took them. Yeah. And well, it's like, asked it's like Stockholm off. syndrome. Like just because you think that you're happy doesn't mean that you're in a safe situation, um, or that you're somewhere that you're supposed to be, right? Or that it's not wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, some years pass. They're coming a little bit more out of secrecy now because so much time had passed, and they kind of did a good job of staying a little incognito for a bit. So we're about <clears throat> 1985. The cult has grown. 
They have a reasonably sized group now of devoted members. I think it was at this point stated nearly 50. That's kind of like the average or, or mean or whatever that one. What's the average or mean? When you take all the numbers and just fucking... Mean is the average. Okay. That thing. We'll yeah. do that one. I'll <laughs> okay. go with that one. Yeah. <laughs> but so it fluctuates around like 45 to 50. Anyways, and sorry, when was this like time-wise? 85. Okay. Okay. So they've been yeah. around like a while mm-hmm. now at this point. Yeah. So... Yeah, they'd they'd gain some devotees and then lose the occasional member if they weren't able to cast away their human desires easily. Those people would just sometimes either leave out of frustration or be asked to leave. Mm -hmm. So something to keep in mind, I don't know if I really mentioned it, but I'll mention it now. So a large part of the teachings laid focus on the hive mind type aspect. So their logic is... If one of us is struggling, mm-hmm. we're all struggling. Ah, I see. So if, if you're having sexual desires, you're fucking it up for us, Haley. You're dragging us down. You're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes like a blame game in, yeah. that, in that sense. So yeah, um, they were kind of trying to work together. That's why a lot of people were very on board with following the rules because they didn't want to be the fuck up. You know, nobody wants to be the the weakest link. Nobody wants that. Like, so, yeah. So it it just basically what it does is in their eyes, it slows down their transformations and the ship won't come for them. Uh Aha. If they're not ready. So there's a consequence of this weakness that you're You you slow it down for everybody. We won't all reach the next level. The only way to kind of make that happen is to either you get the fucking line or you go. Or you leave. And some people would, there, there were people that talked in the documentary that, they, for example, there was a gentleman that talked about how he often would masturbate and he would go and talk to Marshall and say, like, I I can't stop this. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I say often, like, I'm making it sound like he was, like, chronically doing it, but it was probably a very regular amount. But yeah. to him, he probably thought he was, like, sinning beyond belief. Mm-hmm. Which it's like, that's a normal fucking human thing. And of, of course. Yeah. But here he's thinking, like, oh, my God. So anyways... We're we're still in 1985, and this is when something major happens to the group. Like, rocks the fucking boat. Bonnie passes away from cancer. Oh, shit. So, this, this fucks things up hard. Because, first of all, she's the voice behind Marshall. She's, That's, she's the brain. She's the brain. Yeah. She's the one steering things with his help. But this this also, the important thing here is it crumbles their whole belief system. It is proof that their belief system is at that point either flawed or wrong. Yeah. So they're both Bonnie and Marshall at this point had been preaching to all of their followers that he and Bonnie have actually already achieved the next level. Okay. So they're they're in they have their next form, right? They've achieved that. Are they saying that they're already in their next form or their next form is like already waiting for them? I think that of? was more so the logic because they're they're currently in human containers, mm-hmm. but they've achieved the next level. Like mm-hmm. they they are the higher beings is how they see it. Yeah. But they were just basically borrowing human containers to help spread the message and help people get to the next level. That's the goal. Like, their goal is to help people get there 
and whatnot. So they've been preaching this for years, but their teachings make claim that you need your physical live body to enter the next level. That's their teaching. Right. You need that form to be ascended. <laughs> you need it. That's what they're teaching, right? So because once you're, you've ascended onto the ship, that's when the transition happens. So if it's successful, there actually won't even be a trace of your human body at all left on Earth. Right. So if you've done it all properly and you're achieving the next level, I could look for you night and day for the rest of my life. You've... I won't find Haley's body. Yeah, like you vanished off the face of the Earth. So when Bonnie's natural passing with leaving a body behind shook the core beliefs. There's a body. They're mm -hmm. like, this is wrong. She should just have been, phew, and yeah. taken if that was the case. Yeah, absolutely. So this is when Marshall was first... And foremost, quite obviously unstable, or sorry, unable to control his own humanistic desires. Also unstable. That wasn't, that was a good slip of tongue there. But <laughs> anyways, he couldn't control his own humanistic desires, such as grief. This yeah. is his closest confidant. Touche. I mean. And now he's yeah, you gotta, grieving. Like, what, walk around and pretend like you don't care that she just died? And he had to try and act like it was a nonchalant thing. But but this is also when Marshall had to pivot hard. Mm-hmm. You, well, you would. he's grieving, but he's also like, I need to come up with a reason as yeah. to why this happened so, so that I don't lose all of my followers. And it makes sense. Right? Mm -hmm. It needs to make sense where everyone's going to be like, oh, you know what? That actually works. So this is when he started introducing the idea that our bodies are strictly just vehicles for our souls and that the bodies won't actually come with us during the ascension. They will be left behind. They'll be left behind. Ah. And that it'll just be our souls that ascend. Of course. Because the soul, it's in here. Our body is just the container. It's just the vehicle. Yeah. It's just a holding cell. This is when... The end game of a suicide plan was introduced. Mm -hmm. It wasn't right off the bat. Obviously, it's not like a suicide plan. They were just like, mm -hmm. we have a plan of how we can get to the next level and successfully leave our bodies behind. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how it was proposed, where it was like, we can get there. Yeah. But there's something we need to do in order to leave them behind. So there's there's a lot more to cover i'm gonna leave it here mm -hmm. next episode we're gonna get into more details of the actual like the day-to-day -day of the members of the cult what hardships they had like experienced like their training and the rules and things like that yeah um as well as another interesting aspect considering like castration and other very extreme measures that were taken all kinds of things. Okay. We're also going to talk about the comet that kind of sparked the urgency of the new plan. So Right. Yeah. And all of the other absolutely mind-boggling details. So, yeah. We're going to get into the extra nitty-gritties in the next episode. I just wanted to get the background and kind of like the core mindset with this one. Well, yeah. And we're kind of in like... They're yeah. in full swing. 
Yeah. Like, well, they are. Yeah. 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 So they're in full swing and now I'll be able to cover like some of the like wild rules they had and different Mm -hmm. like things that maybe some people didn't know or do know. I don't know. But that's what we're doing. So instead of joining Heaven's Gate cult, join our cool cult (laughs) and sign up to be an extremely awesome person who loves true crime at www.patreon.com slash how to not get killed. And if you ever want to chat and connect with us, you can send us an email to how to not get killed at gmail.com. I was about to take a sip of water and we're doing this. Did you see that? <laughs> so, or Bad you, timing. You know, honestly, I, didn't, I was just like, oh, thirsty. I'm done. So, or you can DM us or comment on our posts on Instagram at how to not get killed. And you can follow us. Yes. On Twitter. You can. <laughs> at H2NGK. Or you can also check out our website and shop our merch at www.howtonotgetkilled.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Keep it sleazy. Yeah, see you next and week. Just don't join a cult, guys. Just don't do it. Unless it's ours. Except ours. ours. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.